What's up, y'all, and welcome to Tales from the Band Room podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Eady, a 19-year educator, and I've built strong programs in urban schools. I'm so proud of what we're able to accomplish in spite of the obstacles many of my students faced, and I want to share my story to help others face in similar situations. So I created this podcast to share tools and strategies I've learned during my career. Each week, the episodes will be real, raw, with a touch of crazy, but it's what I use to motivate and get the best out of my students. Thanks for listening. Now let's go. Welcome to episode four. I truly appreciate all the love you guys continue to show. This episode is part two of Building a Culture with our guests Dexter Bailey, Mario Ford, and Wilson Gastama. Part one was so great, and I'm ready to dive into part two. So let's go. It's a couple of things that um, y'all have said that sparked my light bulb, per se. But yeah. um, one thing I think that's very important about culture <laughs> is you have identifiable goals for your mm-hmm. students that are non-musical. So, like, we always spend a good amount of time. We, we usually start class, uh, even before COVID, we would start class watching some professional musician or some high-level uh, music making in class. And I would ask the students for their opinion. They just heard or what they, you know, what do you, what do you think about the music you just heard? And my goal for that is as time goes on, their answers become more in-depth uh, more thoughtful. Mm. Um, their vocabulary becomes more diverse. So typically, ninth grade starts out like this. He has a good sound. Okay. And, you know, you, you ask, you know, probing questions. What did you like about his sound? You know, this is that. Um, typically, mm. halfway through the ninth grade year, you'll hear things like, um, you know, there was dynamic contrast that I enjoyed. Like, okay, cool. You know, as they get to 10th grade, 11th grade, start hearing you know what, you know, he took some interpretive liberties with this that I really enjoy. And it gets to the point to where, you know, the students are noticing things that I don't notice. They're making me think deeper about what I just heard. I used to joke around, joke with the the senior class that just graduated. I'm like, does anything sound good to y'all? Because, you know, they would, they would just rip people to shreds. Like, you know, I'm talking, you know, Professional musicians like, nah, I didn't like this. And I'm just like, okay, can we start with something positive? I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I think that seeing how the students react and interpret music has been big for me in terms of gauging the culture. And then little things like showing up to practice 10 minutes early to start warming up. That's a big thing for me. It's an expectation I have of the students. And typically, once they cross that threshold, I see their maturity take off, not just as a musician, but as a person. Usually, when they first get there, it's like, you know, practice starts at four. They get there at four. You know, Uh, they get there at 359, 358. Um, But then, you know, typically by the time they get, because we have three uh, uh, performing groups, by the time they get to Wind Symphony, Practice starts at 5, at 4.45, you hear people in the practice rooms. You know, you'll see people walking around doing 
doing their breathing exercises, stuff like that. And that, and that's always a joy to see because it's like, okay, they're growing. Okay. They actually mm-hmm. listen to what I'm saying. Okay. They're, you know, they're doing this and that. So, and then besides that, I think one thing that's no, go ahead, Martin. No, I was going to say with that, what happens is when you get those incoming freshmen, you know, yes. they they get introduced into that environment and they just That's understand right. this is how, this is how we do band here. You know, and like that's something that yep. I, I love that you said that because that's something that I press on to my, uh, my older students. Hey, guess what? Everything that you do defines what we do here. It defines mm-hmm. the program and whatever you do, that's how we do it here. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and so it, it, it turns into just making sure that they're always doing, you know, they're always doing it in the way that you want them to be doing it. So if they're meeting those expectations, you know, that's how that, again, it gets woven into into the culture, you know. It becomes um, the thing to do. And from a direct standpoint, I think two things that's really, really important that helps culture is one holding every, and I think Dex was talking about this, talking about the fifth chair player or whatever, like holding mm-hmm. every musician accountable and not yep. just the mm-hmm. ones that are interested. And understanding, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. We all have to self-evaluate and we all have to understand that our, no matter what we think, our programs are a reflection of us. That's right. Oh, you've been yes. There? Yes. yes. That's right. If you've been there longer than three years. That's who you are. Your program <laughs> is who you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Say that again. <laughs> yes. That's and, the, right and, and, and that's a and that's a real conversation that people have to have. You yeah. know, and, and they and they have to they have to understand. You know, uh, it's funny you say that because you 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 know we always hear in 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 your study and just an educational approach about, you know, modeling. And then a lot of people think that yep. modeling is just playing it for the kids. And no, no, if I tell you to be there early, right? And I tell you like, oh, in, in Wilson case, if the expectation is I want you here early because we are going to make mute practices from three to six, we are making music together from three, three to six. six. Mm-hmm. And I expect you to be there early, ready to go, but then I'm not ready to go. Yep. No, 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 yep. no. That's a, that's a bad model. Yes. So for me, if I expect you to be be on stage at least 15 minutes in going through your music, then your expectation of me is that when you walk in, you're going to see the objectives on the board. You're going to see that the room is ready mm-hmm. to go. And you and more than likely, you're going to see me sitting at the podium doing my my preparation, which in most mm-hmm. cases is in the score. Um, for example, I have a lot of kids that uh, this actually happened when we had um, – I think this was uh, Greg, or it might have been you, Jack, when you when y'all visited the school. The kids would ask me about what conversations I was having because I'm over on the side with my score while the band is being rehearsed. And instead of me going dictator mode and you know holier than thou, I'm like, hey, my my instrument different right now. It's just that all of y'all just happen to be my instrument. We got to prepare this thing together, so this is what I'm doing. And uh-huh. that and that impacts the kids mentally. Like it, it's, it goes back to that relationship. You're going to work hard when you know somebody working hard for you. 
That's right. You know what I mean? You gonna you gonna so if if I want you at my rehearsal 15 minutes early, when you come in 15 minutes early, I'm gonna be ready to. Or I might be getting ready with you just to show you, hey, this is that we're in this thing together, man. So you know, you know, that's I think is just as important with that is you playing your horn. Yeah, exactly. I I see, I think I see a lot of directors who don't play as much more. Maybe it's just being visible doing it in front of the student. Because one thing is, my kids see me play every day. Listen. Every day. Listen. I have a standout. I have a standout right next to the podium with my method books on it. You know, um, I'll play whatever they're playing, warm, especially now with COVID and virtual and all that stuff or whatever. But scales every day with them, whatever, etude exercises, whatever we're doing, fussel book, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm doing that with them as well. And then in between classes, I'm sitting there reading out of, you know, whatever book I'm playing out of. And so as the kids are coming in or as they're leaving out, you know, or that that little break in between after school and rehearsal, like I'm mm-hmm. just playing all day. My next trap is on all day. You know? Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy you say that. Um, for me, I didn't play as much. In front of in front of my kids like that, like they knew I practice, but and I've never really been like that. Uh, they knew I practiced, they knew I played multiple instruments. But if they see me play anything, they probably see me play piano the most. If there's anything that I've enjoyed and that I've learned in this in this hybrid model of teaching, going back to my horn and just using that, even through videos, to show them the love of practicing. Right. Man, like I, I feel right. like I feel like whenever we get back together, if whatever that looks like, I'm going to have a better group because you see what practicing is like now, and I'm not just I'm not modeling for you. Like I'm enjoying it too. I'm on the call early, waiting on y'all to chime in, and I'm in my office with my stand, like I'm back in 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 applied or right. something, and that, and because you know you're not running a full ship for March of season, doing the, you know, doing the whole job of the director, because some of that is a plus, you don't, you have a limited season, you have limited logistics, you have to go you free your time to just really get back to what you love. And then they get to see it. Mm-hmm. Yo, like I, I just, I've been enjoying that the most. Um, that goes you got to model. modeling. Yep. You got to, you got to model, you got to model on your instrument, man. Modeling. You got to, and, and I, and I, you know, you got to model on your instrument, man. You have to. You can't ask those kids to do anything that you're not doing. That's right. You know, right. You can't tell them they need to be practicing and putting in however much time. And, you know, one of my kids asked me, my band president asked me, before, when was the last time you, you really practiced? Like, like you really practiced? And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. You know, it's a little different when you have something to prepare for. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, um, I get this from uh, Ken Boyd. Ken Boyd is a band director at West Orange High School. And so one of the things that he says he does mm-hmm. is when he passes out a new piece of music to his kids, he plays trumpet. He plays every part on his trumpet from top to bottom. Regardless of difficulty, he transposes it, he plays it. Part of that helps him to pick out where the issues are going to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but a deeper thing that I took out of that is your group is not going to play music um, or high level music, high difficulty music. If you can't play Uh that music, because that that understanding comes from your own personal experience and performance. 
The ceiling you know. is your musicianship. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. it you sure know? Is. And people so forget that. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you, yeah. on your personal horn, if you're not, you know, if you're not getting to a point, you're not playing music where you have to make those musical decisions, That's right. how are you going to know what to do, you know, when you're looking at that score? You've never had to do this before. You can't just take people where you haven't been. I want to say a lot right now. But I mean, it's so true because. <sighs> but you, the reality of that wasn't before you. Yeah. I've, I've even gotten to points in my career where I said, oh man, I really love this piece of music. I want to play this with my group. And as yeah. I started digging to that score, I'm like, ooh, some of this is a little over my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. I need to dig out. And so before I can do this with my kids, I have to become, you know, a better musician before I can approach this with my kids. You yeah. know? That, that's, that's, that's true. And I've been in that situation and I had to just get better because I couldn't switch yeah. pieces. You got to get better. <laughs> I have to get better. Oh, you was in too deep. You was in yeah, too I was deep. deep. I was like, woo, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's try to get some stuff going. But I think it's really important for us as directors to always be really transparent with our students about what our weaknesses may be or what we're working on. Because Mm -hmm. far too often, I see situations where the student and director relationship is really combative and it's negative in the sense that I'm the band director. I, I know everything. You're here to learn from me. Oh, versus them understanding that, look, this is collaborative. Yeah. We're all learning. We're all getting better. You know, I'm bringing people in not just for you to learn. I'm going to learn just as much from them as you will. That humility has to be there oh, yeah. with your students. Yeah. Students will take to oh, that when that humility is there versus the, you know, you young students don't know anything. about. I tell the students all the time. I said, I learn from you just as much as you learn from me. And younger right. people, they find easier ways to do things. It's it's just, I have an intern this year, this year, and all the time I'll be doing something, he'll just be like, hey, you know, it's easier if you do this and that. I'm like, thanks. I didn't think of that. You know, like, we, you know, though he doesn't have the experience and wisdom that I may have from, you know, seven years of teaching, he has a certain perspective that I don't have. Because he has, a, he's had a different upbringing or whatnot. So I, I let my students know that all the time. Like, hey, what do you think we should do here musically, and why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm telling you, there are sometimes we've yeah. an entire fifty measures. At, we've we've made musical decisions based off of what the students would like to do, um, because oh, yeah. you know, we've given them those tools. Or sometimes the stuff I didn't even think of. I'm like, okay. Y'all thinking, thinking today, like yeah. As a kid, right? Let one kid say, "Hey, ask this student." You know, hey, what do you think we should do here? We should do that. All right, let's try it. Boom, let's do it. And then you know, hey, what did you guys think? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Why? Why not? Do we need to try? Okay, let's try something else. Anybody else? What do you want to do? Yeah, right. It's a terrible idea. Uh, Like it's a. This is a safe space. Like, hey, or. You present them with the options that you're okay with either one, you know. <laughs> and and, and learn so much from that. that. And what and, and I tell them, I say, what we're not gonna do is just play 
eight measures and everything's the same volume. I said, we, we, that's what we're not going to do. I said, there's such thing as a micro crescendo, a micro decrescendo. There's always decisions being made. Seeing them grow in that sense is always fun as well because just cognitively they're growing. And when once you relate it to life, they look at things differently. They're a lot more thoughtful. Um, they're not just doers, they're thinkers. And that's, that's the thing I want students to leave my program being. Like, be a thinker. So last year... The students, uh, we were planning for the Chicago Thanksgiving parade trip this year. You know, seniors were like, you know, Mr. G, I don't know if we're going to go because of senior dues. You know, we got a lot of senior dues to pay. And I used that as a lesson to teach the kids about narratives. I was like, it's easy to say I can't go because of senior dues. But I, I gave them the, the payment schedule and pretty much broke it down. So I was like, you know, senior dues aren't due till November. I said, this would be paid off by May. So you pretty much just quit on the opportunity to go on this trip because somebody fed you a narrative that I'm not going to be able to make it happen because of senior dues. So I went on like a whole 10 minute spill on just narratives. Like, look, hey, we got to be more thoughtful. We got to challenge everything that we hear um, because it's easy for us for people to lead us in directions just by saying, hey, you can't do it because of this. Nah, you can't do it because of that. I was like, man, in this life, y'all got to challenge everything. You know, going forward, you got to be thoughtful in order to be successful. So that's my quick story. That's cool. This section is called Beyond the Practice Room, and it's something non-music related that I wanted to share and this week, I'm so sad because my Dolphins didn't make the playoffs. I'm super proud of their wonderful season they had, 10-6, and six, and still didn't make, make the playoffs. Now, you guys know I was going to act a fool if my Dolphins got into playoffs, but unfortunately, they didn't. Um, and also, I want to talk this week about Dave Chappelle and how he is such a bad man. If you haven't seen his special called Unforgiven, it is wonderful. And if you don't know the story, he calls for a boycott of Netflix, HBO Max, and other streaming services because they are streaming his ever-famous Chappelle show without paying him any royalties. And this is his attempt to get the streaming services to pay him because it wasn't right that they put his stuff up there without compensating the man. So I'm so happy his fans have stepped up and I can't wait for Netflix and HBO Max to pay the man. And again, if you haven't checked out his special, Unforgiven, please do. You can check it out on YouTube. And lastly, if you haven't seen Jingle Jingle and the movie Soul, check it out. It's great. Well, you guys have talked a lot about yeah, backlash and kids not wanting to do whatever. What what are some things you guys did to kind of change the tide of, of the of the students? I think in my case, once the students started experiencing some success, that's when they bought in. You know, I kind of came in like, look, this is what it's gonna be. <laughs> you know, and and there was some there was some, you know, there was some bumping of heads that definitely happened um in the beginning. And I and I made it really clear. And I I probably wouldn't suggest people to do this, but I kind of I made it really clear what the goals of the program were down the line as soon as I got there. I was like, look, we're so why, going to. Why do you recommend not doing that? 
What wouldn't uh, it be a good thing? Well, yeah, but I was I was <laughs> for lack of a better term, I was talking big cash. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> look, <laughs> I said, look, you know, we're going to have high representation of all state district honor band. I said, we will, the marching band will be the largest it's ever going to be. I said, we will perform on major stages. We will perform in front of a national audience. We will do that. And this is what it takes to do that. You will uh, become a stronger musician. You will become uh, a more disciplined person. This is not. And the reason I say I wouldn't suggest people do that is, and, and my course director broke it down to me. He's like, Gustama, you got your head on straight. You have big goals. This is great. You're talking to people that are used to eating McDonald's. He said, you're trying to give them filet mignon. They don't want filet mignon. He said, they want McDonald's. <laughs> and I was like, because at that time, I couldn't understand, well, why, why do you not want to be a good musician? Like, why wouldn't you want high standards? You know, so, you know, that, that process definitely taught me that, you know, you got to meet them where they are. Um, so my first couple of years was a lot of, you know, like I said, just bumping heads. But the younger students, all they knew was me. So once I would say about halfway through my first year, I think it was clear to all students that, hey, what we're doing works. From there, it was just a matter of do I want to do it or not? There was At first it was, you know, I'm I'm not sure this is even the right thing, but it was clear that it worked. So once students started experiencing success, uh, once you start building, giving praise to students for going above and beyond musically, once they once they started experiencing success, that's when things got easier and better. It also helped that after my first year, it was a huge senior class that graduated. So <laughs> by the time we got to year two, 70% of the program was in ninth and 10th grade. So it was already oh, almost hell. mine. Um, yeah, that, that helped a whole lot. The, the junior class when I first got, it was real small. So from then on, we were just young and we just had to grind. But and I can give you a quick story. I remember our first game, we were about to load the buses. And, you know, just like what I'm used to from Bethune, I have, we do assigned buses. So I was like, hey, bus one is this, bus two is this, bus three is that. And the whole band is like, just looking at me. They were looking funny. No one said anything. They were just looking at me funny. And I was like, hmm, okay. So, I, you know, I went to the office. I was like, hey, you got 10 minutes to make sure you have your uniform on. And then I get a knock on my door. And it's like four or five kids, older kids. They're like, yo, Mr. G, we don't do assigned buses around here. They're like, no, nah, we, we, just, we just get on whatever bus we want to get on. I was like, Okay. Well, from now on, we're going to do assigned buses. They're like, no, nah, Miss G, you don't get it. Like, the band is real heated about it. And I was like, what? I was like, y'all, go get ready. You know, this, this, and that. At another point before we leave, I had another, a, a few other kids coming into me like, yo, Miss G, like, you, you don't understand. Like, people trying to ride whatever bus they're trying to ride. So, at that point, I was like, okay, I need to address this. So, I get in front of the band. I was like, look, y'all. There are certain things we do for safety. There are certain things we do for structure. I said, regardless of that, I said, if we're going to be a great band program, riding whatever bus you want to ride on can't be a thing that throws, up, throws us off our game. <laughs> like, 
Right. right. I, 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 I said there's no great band program on earth where this is a big thing. You know, so wow. I would I would speak to them a lot from that sense. Um, look, this is what great band programs do. This is what great musicians do. This is what we need to do. And I've never stopped speaking to them from that standpoint because I always make sure make sure they understand that there's no end goal here. We're always going to be getting better and better and better. There's no arrival point. I guess that's a better way to put it. I said, we're never going to arrive. I'm always going to push you to be better. And, you know, through time, they, they, they buy into that mindset. All right, Mario. Things that worked with, with helping to change the culture of the program. Um, I do believe in giving the kids some type of autonomy with, with very guided understanding. So one of the things that I would do is, uh, you know, and this is me taking over a new program. You know, you can't come in and just turn everything upside down. You know, there's normally, you know, some type of gradual release where, okay, we're going to change small things over time. My big thing, and this is one of the things that I took from Donovan Wells, is, is uniformity, you know, and cleanliness, you know, uniformity and cleanliness. And so when I got to the Evans program, there was a lot of pride in individual identity or section identity. And, you know, so you have the whole band together, but the trumpets are doing a thing and the trombones are doing a thing and the tubas are doing, everybody's doing all this different stuff. I'm like, guys, I don't know if you, and I know you guys are really proud about what you're doing, but I don't know if you notice that this looks awful, you know, like <laughs> what am I supposed to be looking at here? And so one of the things that I would do is, you know, pull one of the kids out, one of the leaders out. Cause sometimes, you know, I think that they're just so deep into whatever they're doing that they're not thinking about, you know, what it looks like from the outside. Hey, you come stand up here by me. I want you to watch when this thing happens. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, that looks really weird. Yeah, well, this is what you're doing, you know? And now it's not my fault, <laughs> you know? Now you're getting a notice for yourself. And like things, I would tell them, hey, I don't care what it is that you guys do, as long as we all do the same thing. Now that also puts the ball in their court. Hey, he said we can do whatever we want to do. Sure, as long as, or you, you present them with options. Hey, we can either all do this or we can all do this. You know, it's up to you guys. Now, I'm okay with either option prior to, you know, but, you know, they, they're engaged in at least choosing. With, so a lot of the things that our program does now, especially when we talk about like marching band stuff, um, a lot of things that they do now are things that the leadership team of that year picked what they're going to do, you know, I always tell them a band is a group of people all searching for the same common goal. So before we get to the music and the instruments and all that good stuff, the first definition of band in our program, you know, is a group of people all striving for the same common goal. And if you're not doing that, then you're counterproductive to the idea, you know, then mm. you're an individual yeah. you're outside of what it is that we're trying to do. And so in everything that we do, you know, it's all about how are we all going to get there together how are we all going to get there at the same time you know i had my the leaders that year come up with a creed for the program this is something that we say every every day after at the end of the rehearsal um but again it's something that unifies everybody to these beliefs you know and i believe in consistency um and i believe in integrity i tell my kids all the time your character matters more to me than um than your playing ability you know, if you come in my Hallelujah. band, yeah, yeah, 
You know, if you stay in my band for four years and you don't get any better as a musician, but you're a better person at the end of it, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with that. So, you know, these are the things that I would really push as far as trying to change that culture. I think that, I know toxic is a very popular word these days, you know, but I, I think that um, there was a, <laughs> there was a somewhat, you know, negative, and I'm going to lightly use the word toxic energy in the program when I got there. It was just really aggressive, you know, and it was very combative and all that, you know, and I would, every day I say, hey, it's okay, calm down. You know, a kid will play a wrong note and everybody get all up in arms and it's all right. Everybody be cool. All right, we're going to play the right note the next time and we're going to be all right. So finding ways to, you know, reassure them, positive reinforcement, things like that, to now, you know, in the program, the kids are prideful about their playing now. Before that wasn't really a thing. Or kids didn't really want to play for fear of being wrong and then being scrutinized by their peers. That was a thing, a really, really popular thing. And I'm like, hey, make the mistake, play Make the mistake so we can fix it versus, you know, you don't play or you don't play out, you know, and then we never know. So you just be wrong all your life, you know, like that doesn't. But that was a really that was a thing about the culture of the program, creating a value system, not only for the band program, but, you know, just for them as individuals and, and helping them understand that, hey, you matter whether you're here or not matters. Band is a team sport. Things like that are really, I feel like, are really what helped to turn the culture of, of my program. And then showing them that, hey, I'm willing to invest in you too. One of the biggest things were, was um, bringing these college directors into the band room. So that was the thing. And Jack, you visited my room. And so this is where I got in my phone and just started calling everybody I knew, all these people I, you know, who, hey, whenever you come to Orlando, you got to stop in the room because these college band programs and directors, you know, you guys are like celebrities to high school kids. When you tell them, oh, this is so-and-so from this school and this is so-and-so from, they be like, oh, this is for, you know, Jack Eady? Really? Like, <laughs> right, yeah, you know. And and so that type of confidence or, you know, when Jack will come and say, oh, man, you guys sound great. Jack Eady said we sound good. Now, I've said it 10 times. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't mean anything when I say it. But, you know, that all of that. And Wilson was saying, you know, once the kids experience some type of success in the things that you're teaching, in the things that you're saying, you know, when they're hearing it from other people. Right. Like that. That's when you start to really see them buy into that that change in culture identifying the things that matter and things that, that don't, like you said, the buses, you know, like that, that doesn't matter as much. I don't, I'm not, I don't care about that. You know, Mario, um, hmm? Mario can I chime in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I think one thing that's been really important as well is getting the students outside of the community and mm -hmm. seeing what's going on outside of the community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huge. Whether it's, honor band festivals, honor band, um, them auditioning for some outside group or, or taking them to a concert. I've seen, I always say, I see a big difference in how a student conducts themselves after they make district honor band. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, the stuff you tell them to do isn't just stuff that 
they hear from you. They see it from other high school students that also have classes, that also are on the soccer team, that are also doing this, this and that. And they see like, you know what? Being a disciplined musician isn't, you know, an anomaly. It's happening out here. Right. So that exposure piece is big. You know, one last thing, when you talk about creating or changing the culture, I think that when the students see what you invest into the program and you have to treat it like, like, like it's bigger than it actually is. You have to be your number one mm-hmm. fan. You have to be the program's number one fan. You have to treat it like it. So when I was teaching at the middle school, we had a, uh, we had a performance at the neighboring high school at Edgewater. You know, I have a relationship with one of the travel companies and I was telling them about it. And he said, Hey man, let me send you some buses to take the kids. And I'm like, man, it's like, 10 minute ride. It's not even that serious. Like we get a school bus. He said, look, pay me whatever you pay the, the school bus company. You know what I mean? For the school buses or whatever. I said, okay, cool. And so we got at the, I think it might've been like 2011, 2012. We got whatever the newest charter bus was pulls up to the school. You know, this one, they just start putting outlets at the seats and that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and, and the kids get, I mean, the middle school kids, they get on the bus and they dress nice or whatever, you know, and they get on, the, like, oh, this, this is how we go into the, yeah, of course, this is how we roll. This is, this is, yeah. what, you know what I mean? But there was just such a pride in, in that, like, oh man, we're, we're riding in a nice bus, we dress nice, you know, and so that changed the culture of that program. Same thing when I got to Evans, it was the same way. I make sure that every time we leave the school, for something band specific, now football games, that's athletics pays for that. But if the band is going so on a band trip, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we we travel very nice. There's a standard for the way you look, you know. Don't get off, <laughs> don't get off the bus with flip flops and and do rags and head scarfs and all that other stuff. We don't do any of that. But it's it's them understanding that hey, I have a a standard for the culture of the program. And everything that we do, I label it as the Evans High School way or this band. So, hey, this is how we do it in this band. You know, mm-hmm. this is how we act. Or, because when when the kids don't meet the standard, I want them to understand this is not a personal thing against you. You're not in line with the program right now. Yeah. that That's yeah. how that works, you know. So this is how we conduct <laughs> ourselves you know, even when you want to talk about playing, hey, this is how we play scales. Even in my different ensembles, my symphonic band, you know, we play our 12 major scales and all the appropriate octaves we, at about 130. Hey, this is how we play scales in this ensemble. Now, if you want to play them at 110, concert band meets third period. And that's not a jab at the kid. That's you understanding the standards and the level, the culture of this program, this is where it is. And either we're meeting that culture or we're not, either you're aligning yourself with it or, or you're not, you know, but it, it's, it's a lot that goes into, that was a good question, Jack. And now I'm thinking about like how this thing is layered. It's, it's Talk about that for like hours, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's rich stuff. All right, Dex, I'm on your turn. Go ahead, Dex. I guess that means it's time to go band. This segment talks about something I'm listening to that you should check out or something exceptional happening in the band world. 
Today I want to talk with you about the HAPCO Music Foundation, which is created by Joseph Hap McMullen. Their mission is building futures through music, art, and education. The website states that the majority of HAPCO's program takes art and music education to the neighborhoods of at-risk and disadvantaged youth to peoples in Orlando, and they've recently expanded to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Their programs are HAPCO Music, HAPCO Arts, and HAPCO Live. HAPCO Music focuses on jazz band clinics and camps, instrument donation, drum line, as well as other things. I remember when I taught in Orlando, I really enjoyed participating in the HAPCO Jazz Festival. It's awesome. And then HAPCO Arts focuses on photography, culinary arts, video, painting, etc. And then HAPCO Live is a program where alumni and partners perform at community venues and events. You can find all this and more at their website, hapcopromo.org. Again, that's hapcopromo.org. If you have a Go Band you'd like me to shout out, tag Bandroom Tales on Twitter or email me at bandroomtales at gmail.com. No, 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 man. It, it, it's funny you say that. I was just making notes so I could stay on mine because it's that that is a heavy question. Like I said, I, like I was saying earlier, you know, my, my situation was unique. And so trying to really get in and change that culture, it, it, how do you fine tune? Or how do you just really focus on one thing? So Greg, Greg Drain, mentor, I'm sure y'all familiar with Greg, uh, uh, out of Penn, uh, that's up at Penn State. Greg would always ask me questions leading up to me moving to the high school. And he would say, you know, name 10 things that you're going to try to do to better yourself. And I'd take some 10. And he'd be like, all right, pick five out of that that you know you really, really, really are going to focus on. I'd pick five. And then he'd be like, all right, for this year, only focus on three of them. And so one of the things that he kind of got me thinking about was in all of the things I wanted to change or, or, or in my case, a lot of cases, not change, but improve and enhance. I needed to kind of focus on it. So there were five things that stuck out to me that I wanted to stick to the first five years. And the biggest one was just relationship building. I, it, I just don't, I don't think you can be as successful as you would like to be if you're trying to lead people and you're not of the people. You don't understand who you yes, you don't amen, understand. hallelujah. You know, mm-hmm. you and, and and then take and then act like or act like it's a burden to take that extra step. And I'm not talking about just the the general, you know, spark a conversation with a kid about something other than music. It also means to to a certain degree being vulnerable with the kids so they can see you. And when when I started to see that, uh, like in my situation, we, we you know, we talking in my situation, kids wanted to see that someone was going to be with them and they truly was with them for them. Not a product, not a, you know, whatever, like I'm doing this because I want to do this with y'all. And in order to do that or to communicate that and be genuine, you need to know who the kids are. You need to know where they come from. Um, I did have an advantage of that because I saw that in the middle school. But the biggest problem I had was thinking that these same kids I taught in sixth, seventh, eighth grade were the same when they were 16, 17, 18 years old. 
you know, and I had to learn that the hard way. So being of the people, you know, letting them, letting them see, uh, the, the, the struggles that, that you have, um, as their, as their leader or, or not even the struggles, just letting them see in your actions that when I'm asking you to do this or when I'm requiring you to do this, I'm not a dictator. Like I'm in this with you. Like I say that, I say that to my kids all the time. Y'all, I, when I say the statement, y'all know where I stay. They know I stay an hour away from my school. So if I told y'all we got practice in the clinic from nine to four on a Saturday, I ain't doing that to save face. And I ain't doing that to look out for somebody. I'm taking time out of my day and throwing more hours on my schedule because I feel like this is what we need to do. And if I'm going to show that sincere, you know, that sincere approach to doing that, then eventually it should be infectious to the rest of the group. So that was like my first thing. But in that, it was exposure was something else that really, that really got me going. Sometimes, and I'm and I'm just speaking the situation I teach in. Like I said, I've been teaching 13 years, literally in the same community. And the community that I'm in, that I teach in, is is a lower class community, not at the lowest point, but I would consider them lower class with a few middle class mixed in there. And the opportunities for exposure were limited to these kids. Now, if, if barring COVID, of course, but if you just did everything right in our program, because we, we go to stuff like Jam Fest and we go to stuff like District Honor Band and have guests, or we have so many opportunities that, you know, we've researched and take the kids to free. And then on, on, on the other side, especially for those marching band heads, we are a host school for Honda Ballad the Band. You know, we're a whole school for most groups coming through. If you do what you're supposed to do, you know, the whole year, you see a whole lot in in one year. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody ain't able, man. So, so, so the exposure thing, uh, like, like Wilson said, we were in a position to do both. We had the facilities to bring you to us, but we also were able to go and see things. And I think that being able to see seeing a concert and then experiencing a concert is two totally different things, you know, and, and being able to see it being real in front of your face was something that my kids needed to see. But uh, the biggest thing was like these three P's and I always would tell them preparation, process and progress. You know, I feel like the band world is driven for product a lot. You know, we don't know did it. I know I done did it, man. You know, when I'm going to do this right now because when March come around, I'm about to get these ones. And these superiors. And then once I get the ones and the superiors, that's the product that I want. And then I, and I used to have such a headache with the way that I went to get that product that I found more joy out of teaching for the sake of progress and understanding that there's a process in what we're doing, whether it's on the performance side or just the logistical side. And then it takes preparation. For example, on my, on my class lesson, if we're preparing a piece, then my students will know, even if we're sight reading the piece, I will almost give the answers away in the daily routine because that rhythmic exercise and that scale or these different modes or relative minor scales that I just wanted to cover today and this rhythm that he keeps slapping us over here, why does he keep putting five, four on the, on the board is letting them know that this is, our, this is part of our process. So if I'm giving you these tools in the first 10, uh, 15 minutes of class and this is part of our warm-up, you probably can expect to see a piece that contains those modes and is in 5-4 and things of that nature. And I just threw you nuggets so you can see that you need to, you need to focus on the fundamentals first. 
And so the process that we had in place, it simply wasn't working. You know, it wasn't working. It wasn't a good, there wasn't a good model to check progress. Progress was either you got it or you didn't. And we all know that the first share player ain't the kid to be worried about. I want to make sure number number five straight. You know, I want to make sure last share straight. And sometimes we can lose that when first share holding it down and, and kids get discouraged. I've been that kid before. I would teach my kids preparation on everything. Even if we just go into a football game, it's a certain way we're going to meet. That is a cookman thing. We're going to meet. You'll get our itinerary. When I send out information on the band app, this is the rundown for the day. They know if they see on the board the rundown, oh, this is what he – and don't come to my office either because this is our <laughs> program. So you got to take ownership in what you're doing. It becomes more personal. Then you see me taking ownership in what I'm doing. You take ownership in what you're doing. So preparation, if we were just moving – Preparation in terms of if we're preparing literature, here's the outline. Here's what I would like to be. These are our checkpoints. These are the things that I'm going to re- that you should be tackling in your individual practice. And then we will collectively adjust as we go along, you know, but that was part of the preparation process. And then just understanding that there is a process to doing things because we get so lost in the product that the process is the best part of the journey and we miss it. You know, uh, or, or and, and and my belief is if my preparation is laid out in detail and it's clearly communicated to everybody involved, including my students giving me their input when needed on things that we need to consider before we go into the process, then the process and constantly awarding ourselves and being mindful of the progress, especially when it seems like we're not making it, I just think it's going to give us a better product anyway. And I found out that with change with with changing that approach with me first as a teacher and then pouring it to my kids band became enjoyable you know it wasn't even about band anymore it was about the music making process to because you saw success here success used to be uh i made it to the concert and now success can be well last week i couldn't play measures you know, one through five, and now I can play one through five, and I went into six, seven, eight, or or whatever the case may be. Or, and I'll say this too: I think we do the the best job. We as a music music educators, we do the best job when it comes to differentiating instruction. And so, Without when you, that's just that's our natural calling for band. We don't know that, but when you was in high school band, you everything we do is based on differentiating instruction. But with differentiated instruction, taking that little extra time to set different pathways for different types of players and different types of levels and approaches to help meet that common goal. We know we want to meet a common goal, but let me also give you some avenue or multiple ways to meet that goal. It makes everybody feel like, well, I'm a part of this. And then now, Phil Chair, understand that, yeah, it took me a month compared to three weeks to get to this point. But you know what? I got there. And when I got there, I was better when I got there, as opposed to just getting the product. The product is just the, the product ain't even a score. The product is the moment we had on stage. Like we had a moment that David Vanderwalker, man, if it was nothing I learned from David Vanderwalker when he was our co- coordinator, I learned about having a moment on the stage and letting that be your moment for progress, the, for people, for the kids to feel the music. So though, that's something that we could talk about all night long. But those were like the few things I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that they understood that I was of them 
Meaning that I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm from it. Like I tell them that all the time. You can't run nothing by me. I'm from it. I know what you got, what you got going on. I literally get it. What did it, how you did. And because of, we're from the same area. And then of course, just being able to have that, that exposure. Yeah. Preparation, progress and process, man. Those are just my thing uh, with the kids. And, and I've seen a really big change in our program because again this is a program i've been a part of i'm the head of it for four but i've been a part of it for 12 years and the program that i've seen especially last year and where we are in COVID, is a direct result of that changing of the narrative as my drum majors would say we change the narrative we're going to tell our story this is how we're going to do it so just ironing out those things man is just that's something we could talk about all night well, it's story time. In this segment, we'll talk about some of the most interesting and crazy stories that has happened to me in my career. From fitting too many people in my car to having my band students perform a football game after a football game, you don't want to miss this segment. Find a story where it won't be incriminating. It's the incriminator. Put those back, but <laughs> So, um, mine didn't really happen with, the, I've had a few that happened with the band, but this actually happened more so with me because of the band. Um, I almost lost, well, I actually lost it. I lost the school's credit card my first year in Creekside. It's not a secret. What? Yes. At the Florida Classic. Let me tell you how. So, oh, and we got it back. First time high school band had traveled overnight a couple of years. We go to Classic. Weather is perfect. We do the battle of the bands. If they ain't perfect, you know, we checking out Sunday. And the last stop we had where I had to uh, use the car was at Golden Corral on I Drive. Mm-hmm. And um, we're packing up Sunday. I'm, lo- I'm going through all my receipts, you know, just trying to handle my business and I ain't got my card. Whole band on the bus. We sit in the parking lot about 45 hours. I'm not 45 hours, 45 minutes. And I call Mr. Jefferson, one of my parents. He's actually in his vehicle getting ready to leave ahead of the bus. And when I called him, I'm so nervous because this whole trip, I was just like, man, something bad gonna happen. Everything has just ran smoothly. Some bad gonna happen. And when I called him, I don't know what came over me. I just said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get fired when I get back. And I just got emotional. Bro was like, yo, baby, you need to calm down. And I was like, man, I didn't even make it a whole year. I'm gonna get fired. Dude, I kid you, I kid you not. The kids, we are an hour behind on travel because I'm trying to figure out where this card is before I have to call to school. And I called Golden Corral. Because Golden Corral ran the wrong receipt, they didn't, I didn't swipe the card. I gave it to them to swipe it. They never gave it back. So as soon as I called the restaurant, they had the card. But I had two buses with me. Jefferson goes to get the card. He meets us in, uh, we were like in Gainesville on the way back to Georgia. And he gives me the card. And uh, he pro- I, he said, you got to promise me one thing. I'm like, yeah, what's up? He said, you need to let the bookkeeper know that this happened. Do not go back to the school 
and, and act like you never lost the car. So it was Thanksgiving break. I waited a whole week. And when I got back, uh, I told the bookkeeper, Miss McFarland, shout out to Miss Mac. Tell Miss McFarland, I actually lost the card in Florida. And then I found it. And she was just like, you act like it ain't just a regular card. You could have canceled it just like anything else. I'm thinking somebody going to find the card. They were going to go get the outlet, run it up on the school tab. And they was going to hook me for the bill, man. But I was just trying to do everything right. And uh, like literally had a nervous breakdown in the hotel. Like had to calm down. Jeff had to come up to the room and, and calm me down because I just knew like, well, my career is over. Like I said, my career is over, man. Like, dude, all you have to do is cancel the card. So, so uh, the kids don't know that story. So if they, if they, uh, I mean, hey, if you was in the band back then, now you know. Right. <laughs> now you know. That's it wasn't funny. all G that weekend. <laughs> and I was sweating bullets Sunday morning. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> If you have your own crazy story you'd like to share, tag us on Twitter or Facebook at Bandroom Tales, or you can email us at bandroomtales at gmail.com. talked a lot about the culture of your students. Uh, what are some things you guys did to change the culture of your parents and your administration or even your community? I can be quick with that. I can be real quick with that. <laughs> I got to watch what I say. Uh, I think in my community, very similar to this, the kids, as soon as they saw um, the success of the program, and that they saw that their students were really enjoying what they were doing. It was easy to win the parents and the admin over, you know, because a lot of times that's just that's all uh, parents want. I just want my child to enjoy what they're doing. And sometimes to the point to where they don't even understand, like, what are you doing, Mr. G? He's like band crazy and he never liked practicing a year ago. You know, this just is now. So I think. Um, the success of the program, being visible in the community helped a whole lot, as well as doing things that was relatable uh, to, to the community, uh, made people start loving the band. And um, just having a consistent product. If, if every time they see the band, they feel as if that is a great unit um, that's well put together, good kids. I feel like, you know, that's what I've done to win the community over and the parents. And I think I did a really good job of explaining that without throwing anyone under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dex. Well, for me, that, that, that was simple. And Wilson, you kind of hit I I just focus on the kids. Because again, I believe that. I mean, who, who doesn't, who doesn't want to see their child enjoying themselves? You know, and I figure that if uh, I can make something that may not have been as uh, transparent, a little more transparent to my liking, um, to, so that I could feel like I could still confidently do my job because, you know, people joke about receipts and all of that, but in the day and age we live in, people want to really see that the time and the money that they invested into is going to be a good turnaround. And a lot of people are impatient about that. And so I figure if I can get the kids to buy in and you see that the kids enjoy what we're doing, then as I roll out where we should be going and we have that relationship 
the kids will want to go with me and therefore so goes the parents. I don't even worry about trying to get <laughs> administration uh, to, to get on board because again, if you're about what the kids want to do, then usually that works in our favor. So um, I, I never really rolled out a plan, if you will. I, I, I like to be visible. Love for the band to be visible um, in the community on, on multiple platforms, playing an instrument and not playing an instrument, maybe just doing a service somewhere. But we got to be visible. Um, but again, that goes back to the, to the kids. So I start with them first and just hope that everybody or, or usually the result is that everyone that is a stakeholder or a parent gets on board because what you see is a quality product and it's full is filled with passion and love for each other and for what we're doing. Usually people get behind that. So I try to take care of that piece. And I feel like if that's in place, then the rest should stay in place just by, by nature. So, uh, let's see. How do I approach this? <laughs> All right. Um, I, I just feel like Evans is such a very unique place. It just hey, is. Hey, tread um, lightly, man. Tread lightly. That's my hood. Right. Yeah. Right. You know. But no. Um, so so with, with admin and faculty and everything, I think like what Dex was saying, the visibility matters there. Um, and then you have to find opportunities to celebrate the kids. One thing I've found is your faculty and staff, and sometimes they just don't know what's going on. And sometimes we don't do a good job of sharing that information. So I make it my business to tell them everything that's happening, any type of achievement that we have, anything that the kids are doing. Mass um, email. Mass email, yep, I do that. And then I, I always try to make sure that I provide them with a, a photo or something so that they can put it in the community brief, you know, because yep. that's an email that goes, now that goes out to all the students, parents, faculty, staff, school board member, everybody, whoever's on that thread, get that communication. Um, and I think they send it out like once every two weeks or something like that. And I try to make sure that, you know, something about what we're doing in band or performing arts is in that um, community brief, in which we normally are. There's normally enough happening, you know, to where we um, were in that. So that that kind of took took care of itself. Um, I think once the faculty and staff started to see the kids doing more and being more involved in things, you know, they were a lot more supportive of everything that was going on. Um, my parents and community is a little bit different Evans is predominantly Haitian Creole, uh, Caribbean. A lot of people say, well, Evans is a black school. And I'm like, yeah, well, they're black of skin, but they're not, you know, they're black skin color. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're not like, it's not an African-American community, which is something different, you know? And so the, the value systems and the cultural the cultural beliefs, are, it's just different. It's a whole different thing, you know? And so for my parents, it was a lot more of getting them to understand or trying to convince them that what we were doing is important. And so we, I ran into that a lot. You know, the parents were, well, my son needs to come home. He doesn't need to stay at school. Like he needs to come home or he needs to go to work or something, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but we, we got a concert 
today. Like, <laughs> you know, and they're like concert. So that he need to come home, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. Like they don't care. So, but and visibility matters with that too, because um, until you can get those parents in the room to see their kid doing the thing, they're really not as interested about it, you know? And, and that's always a hard thing. Um, you know, you look, you're talking about families where the parents are working multiple jobs. And a lot of times, a lot of times the, the, the parents just, they don't have the time to be there. So, you know, getting that to happen, community also was a, it was a different thing because the community had so much love for the previous director. Uh, previous director was there for 10 years, you know? And so the things that he did with the program, everybody was in love with. And I think I was just such a different taste you know, like that first year was really weird. It was really, really, really weird. You know, um, you know, people would see the band and they're like, okay, that was different. Like, do I clap? Do I not clap? I don't know. Do I like this guy? I don't know if I like this guy or not. I don't know if I like this band or not. You know, I'm like, it's the same band, guys. Just playing some different music, you know, but um it it was it was that. I, I do think now. You know, everybody's pretty on board with being supportive of the programs. And it's all the stuff that you were saying, you know, with, with the uh, what you guys are saying, as far as the kids enjoying themselves, um, being more visible, having them out, um, doing more community engagement, things like that, um, celebrating them. We have a community news brief that goes from the school, but there's also the Pine Hills Press, which is the, the local community newspaper. And they just report the happenings of Pine Hills, just the neighborhood. And so whenever I get an opportunity to put things there, I do that as well. Um, I go out to the, uh, the community town hall meetings, you know, like I feel like for, for any community, the high school, a lot of times is the, the pillar of that community, you know, especially right. when you have um, families that have lived in the same area for a long period of time. You know, you have the parents went there, their parents went there, all their kids go to, go to the school, you know. And so yeah. when I'm at the, the town hall meeting, it's like, oh, this is the high school band director. Like, you, you're an important person in the community. The football coach, the <laughs> high school band director, the principal, like, these are important people. And so um, I think all of those things go into trying to get them to buy into the culture and, and it being a positive, safe space for the kids. Um, I want, want to add something in there. Um, we have to understand... And it's just a belief of mine that, excuse me, the band program is one of the biggest marketing tools for the school. Oh, yeah. You know, if if, uh, if you want to know what our school and what our students is like, look at the band. That's just my belief. You want to know how you want to know what what kind of kids we really have. Look at the band. It says a lot about what's going on in school um, and. That doesn't mean you have to do everything because, we, you know, we're professionals, but we're still human. We have to take we have to take breaks. We have to make sure that we don't overwork ourselves. But if we understand our role to the total school environment as the PR mouthpiece for the school, you know, that usually helps with the relationship with the administration as well. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, that. And and I think and I'm, I know Jack, I'm derailing here, but um, <laughs> making sure that everybody understands that 
they are part of the band program and the band program belongs to everybody. I'm really big about that. Right. At our school. Right. Like, you know, because it, you, you got to see how people talk about other programs. Do they say, Oh, you know, our football team won, or do they say the football team won? You know, well, do they refer to the band as our band or the band? You know, when I talk to faculty and staff, I would make sure I say, Hey, you know, our kids are doing this. Cause these are your kids too. Like they take classes with you too. You know, same thing when I talk to the parents, Hey, our kids did this, our students achieve these things because they probably with me as much as they with you, you know what I mean? Like we, we share these kids, you know? Um, but I think that that also kind of helps them buy into the cultural piece. And there's a little bit more ownership of the program with everybody understanding that, Hey, I'm a part of, what we do. You guys, when you do your thank yous, hey, we couldn't have did this without you. You know, who would we be performing for if you didn't come? Like, you're a part of this production as well. Every All these achievements, a little bit of that belongs to you too. You know, you dropped them off at least. <laughs> you know, so all that matters. All right. <laughs> then my last question would nice. be um, if you could give one piece of advice to a young teacher re regarding bu the building of culture, like in a couple sentences, uh, what would that be? So let's say it's a first year teacher. You tell a first year teacher about building culture um, in three sentences. What do you got? Um, if there's ever a moment when you're asked to discuss your teaching philosophy, don't take that for granted. Don't take, don't take that for granted. Um, develop a realistic philosophy for yourself and what works for your program. Be open to adapting and changing that philosophy to what fits you and your program. And don't be afraid to ask for help. So all, all right. right. Uh, I would say I had to type it out. Um, you are the culture. Uh, be thoughtful, be intentional, be you, and grow. Mm -hmm. Be intentional. That's, mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Live yeah. life on purpose. That's right. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is right. Um, yeah, if I had, talking to a new teacher, it would it would be that, what Wilson said. You know, like, you are you are the culture of your program. And so be consistent in, in what you do and be consistent, uh, be consistent in what you say, understanding that you are, or you will be the reflection of that, of that program. You are an ambassador for your program. That would be that thing. And, and to think about that and what that means. You know, I, my mentees, I tell them, write everything out. Think about it. Write it all out. But, yeah, you are you are the culture of the, your program. The things that you agree with and the things that you disagree with, the things that you like and you don't like, um, you are that. I tell my kids, we're in a relationship. Day one. We're in a relationship together, you know. And so we're going to get to know each other better. We're going to communicate. Here. Communication is key. <laughs> and it's more than three sentences, Jack. But... You are it, you know, whatever it is that you are consistently is what your program will be consistently.
Today's fun fact is just me sharing a shout out to you guys. This is a big virtual hug for everything that everyone's going through. I understand that this is a pandemic and we just have a lot to deal with and just have to just keep pressing forward each day. Babies, get to the end with a smile on your face. Now I think that's it. That's, I, pre- that's <laughs> I, pre- it. I appreciate y'all boys uh, uh, a whole, whole, whole lot. This is uh, this is a lot of great information. I felt like it was short. I feel like we didn't even like touch the tip of anything. Bro, it's <laughs> like one part. o'clock, bro. What Gotta be a part about? two. Right. I mean, I, I, I understand that. I get that. I'm just saying, like, as far as like the content oh, that we cover, right. I yeah. feel like, like some of this stuff that we could just talk about for hours. You oh, know what I mean? dude, Easily Realist- real- realistic, like seriously, could yeah. talk about this for hours. This this, this be them cooking camp conversations, dog. We should be uh-huh. sitting around for a whole week talk about the yep. same thing. Literally <laughs> carrying the same conversation for like five days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, Jack, this is cool, man. This is my first podcast, man. I don't even listen to podcasts. I just know what it is. I never even listen. (laughs) But you're going to be the first one that I listen to. All right. That's dope, man. That's dope, man. Dope stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for, for being here. I appreciate you guys so much. It's just been a pleasure hearing, uh, all your wonderful thoughts, and I know everyone's going to get a lot out of this episode. All right. And thanks for having us. This was fun, man. This oh, was fun. Appreciate and wishing, wishing you much uh, future success to you on the podcast, man. Oh, yeah. All my students would. This will be required listening. <laughs> oh, straight up. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode, Building a Culture. I had a blast just chopping it up with Mario, Dex, and Wilson. And I appreciate you guys for hanging through both episodes. Our next episode is titled, Small Bands Don't Care. It's not what it looks like. And our guest is going to be Charles Connor from Canyon Springs High School out of North Las Vegas and Javon Pollard out of Bel Air High School in Baton Rouge. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tales from the Band Room. Check us out on all social media at Band Room Tales, or you can email your comments or questions to bandroomtales at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe to our daddy's podcast and leave a review. You can find out more about this podcast at talesfromthebandroom.com. Music by my Phi Beta Sigma line brother, Jason, Classic Beats Menace. Go Mob! These episodes are edited by Michael Tabone and Adam Siegelman. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day or not. The choice is yours.